So good morning. It is day two. Uh, everyone asks you, how did you sleep? And I think the best response to that is it's like night one vibes, which means that you discover what kind of your sleeping situation feels like. It's not your bed and just sleeping on the first night anywhere sucks. So um, I hope that you're feeling revitalized and I hope that you had some great chats first night talking. You probably ate your week's worth of chocolate last night. Um, lots of fun, lots of games, lots of energy. Who drinks coffee at night? Oh, does everyone else hate them in their room? Yes. Nice. So good. I see that hand. Um, so we are in day two of conference and this morning we're going to pick up where we left last night. And last night we were looking at this invitation that Jesus says, he says, come. Oh my gosh. Okay, we'll try it again. Come. Nice. Come follow me. And Jesus extends this invitation to the disciples and it's a worthy enough invitation that they drop what they're doing and they follow him. But today what we're going to look at is the next kind of uh, section in that exact verse. And what we see is that not only did Jesus offer them an invitation, uh, he also offered them a promise. And this morning, what we're going to look at is what is this promise? What does it mean? Uh, what did it mean for those guys back on the Sea of Galilee? What does it mean for us today? And then how it's actually an incredibly exciting piece of scripture. So if you have your Bibles there, how about we open up to... Uh, Math, uh, what are we in? Mark chapter 1, and we are going to read from verse 16. Mark chapter 1, 16. We have Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So I will send you out to fish for people. What does that mean? It's interesting that Jesus says this, and yes, there's the invitation to come follow me, but then he says, I will make you fish for people. I will send you out to fish for people. And at that, they dropped their nets and followed Christ. So what's in those couple of words that was so dramatic or so amazing or so enticing that meant that these, these fishermen, they weren't even yet disciples, these fishermen left what they were doing and they followed him. And we looked at last night the beautiful uh, ways that we can follow Jesus and what is uh, offered to us and the strength and the resilience and the journey of following Jesus. But today we're going to see this promise. And it sounds a bit weird. Who here, when they were young, when it was like, what do you want to be? I want to be a fisher of people. No one said that ever. Um, and if you did, you were just wanting to be like top student of your Christian school and you would have got the right answer. Uh, but the thing is, I want to I be a fisher of people. What does that mean? What did they think it meant? And the interesting thing is Jesus here is using their language. Obviously, we found out that they're fishermen. And so Jesus is using accessible language for them to say, okay, I see your context. I see what you're doing and I'm going to help you to fish for people. But I think it actually means so much more than that. He's saying that uh, in me, you're going to have security. In me, we're going to give you a call, a, a purpose, a plan over your life. Uh, but remember where they're standing. These guys, they're standing on the shore 
of the Sea of Galilee. And the interesting thing is for us, like we're here by the water and it's beautiful and we love it and tempted to go for a swim. I think I heard there's rumors of like water slides later. Anyway, water is fun for us. But back then, water was scary. And so they're standing on the shore of something that they're quite fearful of. Because water in those times in the seas and the oceans were actually a place of mystery. They were a place of danger. There were storms that rolled in in the seas. There were creatures that lived in the seas that they were uh, scared of. But when this idea of the water and, and fishing, and it was seen as quite dangerous. Not only that, but at that time as well, there's all these references that the ocean and the seas were also called this, this word called shore, which meant that it was a place of the underworld. It was a place of darkness. It was very scary and it, was, it had so much fear attached to it. In a sense that people who uh, were under the water were in that kind of realm of, of unknown, of darkness, of uh, beneath the waters, it was scary. And so when you think actually about these stories in the Bible with that lens, that the idea of the water being a dangerous place, a scary place, a place of death, you see these other stories in the Bible and they start to click for you. So you think about the time with Jonah. He went down to the depths, it says in the Bible. He went down to a place where there was this this notion of death and destruction. And then from there he came and he fulfilled what God wanted for him in his life. So there's this, this pattern of actually in the, in the depths, scary things happen. Then we see in the life of Jesus, he actually speaks to the wind and the wave and he says, peace be still. And in those moments, those disciples who were in the boat with him, scared for their lives, recognize that Jesus actually has authority over the big threats and over the scary things of their world. The things that are the darkness and the powers underneath the waters, Jesus is able to speak to them and have authority to them. We see that Jesus walks out on the water. And while that's actually so crazy and so amazing, what else is it showing is that Jesus says, I can actually walk on what the powers below, what everyone is fearful of, of death and darkness. They don't rule me, I walk on them. Also, we see in uh, baptism, water baptism, you go down into the water and you die to self. And then when you're raised up, you're brought to life and you're declaring that Jesus is your life. And so why is this important? Why is this just like a cool trend and find out something new, that water is scary to those people? No, what Jesus is saying here is saying that you will be uh, fishers of people. Is he saying that you will catch people, you will bring people out from the depths, out of their darkness, out of the destruction and death, and bring them up to life. You will catch people out from their way of life, their sin, their destruction, their depth, and bring them into eternal life with me. You as a disciple, as a follower of me, will have the opportunity to see kingdom come to earth, see people find resurrection life in me, experience life 
to the fullest. And so this, this idea of I will catch people, yes, it's a weird term. Yes, it doesn't make sense to us. But to these guys, they may not have made all those connections in that very second when Jesus said it to them, but they would have recognized that he's speaking my language and what he's saying seems attractive. At the moment, I catch fish and they're dead and I sell them and that's great. But Jesus is speaking of something so much more eternal than that. He's speaking of giving them influence, giving them purpose, giving them calling to see some exciting things happen in their life. And so he's saying here, not only will, will you be able to be part of my plan and be a front runner in what I'm doing on this earth by following me, I will also promise with you to make you into something that you could not be on your own. Jesus is saying, come follow me and I will lead you to become what you could never imagine being. In me is so much more than you can imagine. In me is so much more adventure, so much more peace, so much more excitement, so much more security in me than you could have by yourself. And so this is a beautiful promise. Not only is it an invitation to come follow him, it's actually also that I will be with you. I will uh, have, you will have a front row seat of what I'm doing and it's going to be incredibly exciting. A couple of weeks ago, I um, was looking at my lemon tree. So I have a lemon tree. The word tree is a bit bizarre because it's actually more like a weed. It's like so tall and skinny and has no hope. But I was out there looking at my lemon tree and trying to admire her beauty. And her name's Lulu. And Lulu Lemon, did you get it? Okay, nope. Um, so I was looking at this, this tree. And one day I noticed that every single leaf on this tree had been eaten. Every single one. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's absolutely been stripped bare. And I was trying to inspect what went wrong. And then I found a cocoon. And I looked at this cocoon and I had such murderous thoughts. I looked at it and I thought, do I have justice? You are so helpless. I have all the power of your life. And I looked at it and had an internal battle. And I'm telling you this because I'm wanting to confess. But in that moment, I thought, no, I should do the right thing. Not kill the vulnerable, sweet little butterfly to be. Didn't know any better. That's fine. So I left it and I felt so good. I did the right thing. Then the next day I went down and watched to see if it was a butterfly yet and I saw it and something came over me where I just flicked it off and stood on it, just like that. Literally, just like that. And I thought, justice has to be had. Like, this is the circle of life. Like, I'm a human, you're a butterfly, like, nah. You ate my tree again, buddy. And so I had this terrible terrible thing that I did and you can all come up to me later and say you know Greenpeace whatever um but in that moment I kind of came away and I thought should I feel guilty about doing that my housemates ripped into me um I felt kind of guilty and then I was thinking surely it was a moth like it wasn't a butterfly <laughs> as if that makes it better um and so I was thinking about you know, there's times when we were in primary school and we had that silkworm thing. Do you guys still do that? 
yes, okay, you get a silkworm and you put it in a box and then you watch it then get into a cocoon and then become a moth. Um, and so I was thinking about the cycle and thinking about what I had destroyed. And I was thinking, imagine if you saw a caterpillar, it became into this cocoon and you were waiting with such suspense to see what would come out of this cocoon after this training and transforming and everything in the cocoon. And then you come out one day to see that it's starting to unravel. And, and the mystery and the wonder is beginning and you're wondering what's it, what color is it going to be? What type is it going to be? And you come out and it starts to make its way out of the cocoon and you see that it's a caterpillar. Wouldn't you be bizarrely perplexed to think, what were you doing in there? Why didn't this work? I thought you were meant to go into a cocoon to become a beautiful butterfly. So, so why are you a caterpillar still? And I wonder how many people watch our lives as Christians and they see us in church, they see us in the cocoons of youth group, they see us following Jesus, but don't see any change or transformation and they're perplexed as to what the point is. If we are following Jesus, but we're not transforming or becoming more into his likeness, we are painting a very confusing picture for what people do when they watch our lives and they're intrigued by following Jesus. And so what Jesus is doing here by saying, come follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. He's saying you will have a transformation. You will join in with what I'm doing. You will become more like me. I will bring purpose and calling to your life that other people will be able to see and they will know you to be my disciples in the way that you live. I wonder how many of us here today are living our lives, we're in the cocoon, but then we come out as a caterpillar and our friends are wondering why. Because the way that we're living isn't matching up with the idea that we're actually following Christ. And I don't know about you, but I find that hugely challenging. I find that not only challenging, but also inspiring to know that actually, as I follow Christ, I should start seeing a difference in my life. I should start seeing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on it goes, uh, evidence in my life. I should start to see that the uh, spiritual clothing, if you will, that I wear looks different. In Colossians 3, there's this beautiful imagery around the idea that your, your life before, you were wearing some sorts of, of clothing that doesn't fit you anymore as a Christian. But now in your new identity as a Christian, you should be wearing different things in your life. You should be wearing kindness and compassion. You should be wearing gentleness and love. These are the things that the world experiences. And in the Gospels, it says that that's how people will know that you're my dis disciples, that you're a follower of Christ in how you live out your life, in how you love one another. And so what we want to see as we follow Jesus, we want to see the excitement of knowing that he calls us into this beautiful story of following him, but also he leads us to a place where we get to do and be a part of what he does, which is bringing people out of the depths and into life 
and we get to see this this beautiful transformation happen in people like it is happening in us. And so this promise that we see is one that is uh, inviting us into his story, inviting us into his plan. Last night, I thought it was so beautiful, us kind of worshipping God, and it was so amazing to see so many people respond and say, you know what, God, I want to be all in for you. I want to follow you. I want to say yes to your invitation. It was such an amazing, beautiful moment. And we were in our team meeting this morning, and uh, we kind of just had a moment to share some exciting things that God has been doing already in the last day. Uh, And someone actually mentioned in our team meeting this morning that, you know, there's some groups here that last night was the first night that you sang in the last year. You haven't sung worship corporately for a very long time. And I was thinking about that. And uh, in Queensland, we've had a bit of a different journey uh, to New South Wales. And we did have a season of lockdown, but we were able to get out of that relatively quickly, which was awesome. But the thing was, I remember, and this may have been you last night, but I remember standing in worship and feeling really rusty. Feeling like, I don't know if I remember how to do this anymore. And I kind of felt this awkwardness in me, not worrying like what other people thought, but an awkwardness before God. Like it had been a while. Like I had taken a break or we'd done long distance and it had been weird. And I found myself in worship really worried that the intimacy that I once had, the beautiful feeling of the presence of God, the peace that happens in worship, this this portal where we're taken into a place of adoration and, and love and absolute awe and wonder of who God is, had seemed to be a bit funny. It had lost it's feeling. And, and this morning as that was shared, I thought like some of you might be in the room feeling that. You may be feeling, will I ever get that back? Will I ever feel like I once did? Will worship be that sweet, sweet feeling that I've had before? And this is just like an aside from what we're talking about, but I just wanted to say that hang in there, keep singing, keep worshiping because it will come back. It'll just take a little while. And, and don't be fearful that you're putting it on or that you still feel weird after a few nights. Know that as you remain in the presence of God and ask him just to fill you and ask uh, to see his wonder and his glory and, and to be filled with awe of him, keep remaining in that place because the closeness of him will come back. The beautiful promise that we have is, Uh, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And we know that God loves it when we worship him. And so he is going to uh, slowly kind of defrost you, slowly start to wear away that rusty feeling. Hang in there, keep singing, keep turning and your gaze and your affection and your attention upon him. uh, And it will come back. It, It will come back to you. And that's just like a random aside. Maybe that's one person who feels like that. Uh, But I really felt to share that with you this morning, that I know what that's like. Um, Even as a pastor, even working for a church, I felt super rusty coming back into worship. Uh, And so anyway, back into it. That's a little for free. Um, But 
Jesus is saying to us, I'm standing on the shore of your hearts and I'm asking you to follow me, but I'm not going to leave it there. I actually want to lead you to a place that you couldn't be before. I want to give you a call over your life that you haven't had before. I want to give you purpose and drive and vision uh, and be excited for the things that I'm doing. I want you to firsthand see what we saw last night. People kind of coming, uh, stepping in and being all in uh, for Jesus. I want you to have a front row seat to that. I want you to catch people and show them this, this beautiful life of following me. And I just don't want to do it from a distance. I want to do it through you. And so that's what Jesus is saying to us in this promise here. And I think that's exciting. Do you think it's exciting? Yes, it's pretty exciting. I love that we have a God that actually includes us in it. He doesn't just like set it all up and then watch it all happen. But he actually allows us to be used by him and to be part of the plan. I think it's so cool. And we saw it last night, which is awesome. And so uh, today and uh, sorry, tonight, are you doing tonight, Matt? Matt's preaching tonight. Are you excited? So good. Matt's going to be preaching about, what is it? I can't remember. Jesus. Awesome. You were one of those people in class who said, I want to catch people, didn't you? <laughs> no. Uh, but what, what Matt is going to talk about tonight is kind of like, okay, well, then what's the next step? What's the cost? What's the challenge? What does that mean for us in the interim? Like, in the, the journey of it, what does it mean for us to keep following Jesus? But I want this morning for you to go away from this place feeling excited by the fact that you actually get to be a part of it. That Jesus doesn't just say, come follow me and then turn his back and then that's it. He says, come follow me and I will lead you to somewhere. I will make you into something you can be by yourself. I want you to conquer death and sin. I want you to no longer have the fear of um, the depths, of the fear of what might be out there, a fear and anxiety around what am I meant to do in this life, but rather be filled with, with excitement and passion. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's this beautiful verse that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone and the new is here. We get to have this, this amazing, incredible freedom and security knowing that our identity, who we are, who you have to be, who you're longing to be, can actually be in Christ. A new identity is given to us. A new set of clothes is given to us. A new way of living is given to us. In Galatians 5, it talks about the fact that we can do this life in step with the Holy Spirit that we can walk along the path of life, walk with Jesus in step with the Holy Spirit, and he is able to be our guide, our director, uh, our encourager, our fulfiller. And so as we finish right now, what I'm going to do is just have us all stand up. Yep. You're feeling rusty now, aren't you? <laughs> And if you feel comfortable, and it's just a, if you feel like you can, just open your hands like this in front of you. And we don't do this because it's like some magical thing. It's just like a physical posture that we want to mimic our heart posture of how we want to come before Jesus with open hands. 
because that means that if your hands are open, he's able to, to give you something, to fill you with something so that you may receive uh, whatever he's wanting to do this morning. And so what I'm going to do is just as we have our hands out in front of us, just pray over us that you get a glimpse of what the, the promise that Jesus is calling to you after he says, come follow me. What is the next line for you? What are you hearing from God as he says, come follow me? Where is he going to lead you? What identity is he speaking over you? What words of, of life and love is he saying to you? What exciting and joyful things is he bubbling up in you? What dreams and visions is he giving you to help you see people in your worlds be lifted from darkness and into light? to be taken and drawn up from the places where they're feeling fear and anxiety and be brought into a place of peace and joy. So, Father God, we just come before you this morning. And we thank you that you see each one of us and that you invite us to follow you. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave it there, but you actually give us then a promise that you will lead us, that you will transform us into something that we couldn't be on our own. Lord, that in you is such abundant life and that we get to have a front row seat to what you're doing in and through us and around us. So Lord Jesus, as you come now and speak, to us, will we hear such beautiful words from you, that you will make us fish for people, that you will help us see people come from death to life, from darkness into light. Holy Spirit, will you speak now? words of excitement, words of purpose, words of calling, words of visions and dreams. And Lord, that in, in whatever we bring before you, if that's a fishing rod, God, or if that is an Excel spreadsheet, whatever, Lord, in whatever we bring to you, God, you're able to transform it into something beautiful. Speak now, Lord, for we're listening. So, Jesus, as we sing to you, as we worship you, will you continue to speak over?